If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 6. Um, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. If you're just joining us, which spans Matthew 5 through Matthew 7, we're uh, just jumping into 6 verse 1 today. Uh, we just wrapped up um, the six illustrations given by Jesus about this whole person righteousness. And now as we move into chapter 6, we're continuing with this whole person righteousness. And specifically today, we're, we're, we're looking at how this is lived out in, uh, in, our, in our personal religious activities, right? In our righteous practices before the Lord. So we're continuing to connect back to 517 when Jesus said that he hasn't come to abolish the law of the prophets. No, he's come to fulfill them. And then in 520, he, he says that um, in, in, in order to be a part of his kingdom, you have to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, right? It is, it is a greater righteousness than even that, much greater. It's not simply uh, doing right actions, but it's a heart that, it, that is aimed with this laser-like focus, this devotion to God that is behind, that is in those actions. Following Jesus is not uh, just behavior modification with a heart that's dis. Connected, uh, And Jesus points out the hypocrisy of the religious leaders of his day. And I think it's a hypocrisy that uh, churchgoers today uh, struggle with, at least at times. That we would live these righteous lives to please other people, to get noticed by other people, to get the praise of other people, rather than to please God. Um, and, and as we go through this passage, you'll notice that uh, these three examples that Jesus gives here of this, right in the middle is the Lord's Prayer. And we're all familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Maybe it's the, the, the most familiar uh, part of Scripture to, to people inside the church and outside the church. Um, it's so good uh, that we're, we're actually saving the Lord's Prayer for next week. As, as, we, as we're wrestling through this text, we're like, man, we can't, it needs its own sermon. So next week, we'll, we'll go there as well. I'll read it today as, uh, as these examples sandwich the, the Lord's Prayer, but um, we'll, we'll get into that next week. Uh, here's our truth statement. Jesus teaches that whole person righteousness requires true Godward devotion, not the hypocrisy of seeking people's praise. Right? This whole person righteousness, it, it, it has this Godward devotion, like I said, this, this laser-like focus aimed at, at, at worshiping God, at being devoted to God, treasuring him above all else, not the hypocrisy of seeking people's praise. So here we are in 6.1, and I know that there's a chapter break from 5 to 6, but it, Jesus didn't take an intermission here, okay? So 5.48, it ends, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, but it really just flows right into 6.1, and that's where we'll begin. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Doing righteous acts to be noticed and praised by people is not the way of God's people. He, he tells the audience, beware. There is a trap 
in religious living and it's doing religious things. It's practicing your righteousness to be seen, to get noticed by others. Right? We all want people to think highly of us. Probably we want people to think, a little, think of us a little, high, a little better than we actually are even. Um, our religious practices can have the appearance of godliness, uh, the appearance of, of this devotion aimed at God, but it's really easy for us actually to want others to think highly of us, to think that, that we're spiritually mature, that we are godly people. Yes, we want to see Jesus lifted high, but sometimes we'd like a little exaltation of ourselves as well. And Jesus helps us see what a, what a pitfall this is for us. Now, he's not saying that we cannot practice righteousness in public. Back in 516, he just said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, so it's not that, that we have to hide all our righteous acts, that, that we can't live out our faith in Jesus in public. But, but what he is saying is we're, we need to be living for Jesus. Our hearts need to be aimed at the worship of Yahweh, not at getting others to think that we are something. So he gives us a few examples. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's, it's enough. It's enough to help us see how we do this. So verse two, thus when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is so good at cutting right to our hearts. And if you don't know this yet about following Jesus, he demands all of who we are. Right? He, he wants our full devotion. He, he wants our hearts to fully treasure him, 
our outward acts of righteousness, um, if, if they're, he wants hearts with, with outward uh, acts that, that are working in sync together. So our, our actions and our heart in line, treasuring the Lord. The Lord certainly sees our hearts, whether, whether the things we, we do out in front of others or things that we do in secret, he knows the intention of our hearts. We struggle to see into hearts. And there are times when we can get glimpses and maybe we have a pretty good guess of what someone's heart is, but, but we cannot see like God does. We see the outward actions if you've worked with kids at all, whether you're a parent or a teacher or, or somehow have, have worked with kids, you know it's, it's, uh, it's hard to, to parent to shape their heart. It's a lot easier to shape their behavior. Uh, I recently heard a parent share uh, two questions that he asks his kids when it comes to uh, being on technology. When, when they're on devices, he always asks at least these two questions. One, and the first one I'm good at, is well, what are you looking at, right? What do you, what's on the screen there? But then the second he asks is, how is it impacting your heart? I just thought, man, gosh, what's wrong with me as a parent? How have I not been asking that question? And it's, it's a question that's not just good for kids. It's good for all of us. What are we taking in, whether it's on a device or what are we listening to? What are we reading? And what's it doing to our heart? We, we've talked about that a lot lately, that, that we're always being discipled, right? Everyone's being discipled. Are, are you being discipled towards Jesus or away from Jesus? I, I think Jesus would, would, would love that question. How is that impacting your heart, that thing that you're looking at? Because that's what he wants. He wants our hearts to just absolutely love him, to, to love him more than anything else. And here, he helps us see that our righteousness, that, that the righteousness needed for his kingdom isn't just avoiding bad things and doing really good things, right? Righteous things. No, it's having a heart that, that with that, behind that good behavior, it's this God-focused heart. Not this heart that, that really is just this sneaky form of self-worship. He's after a heart that worships God as we practice righteousness. In Matthew, you, you might have picked up that he uh, describes hypocrisy from a, a slightly different angle, or at least a different one than I normally think of uh, when I think of hypocrisy. When I think of hypocrisy, I think of someone saying, hey, do, do this, but then they don't do that thing, right? So an example could be um, my kid, they're getting ready, he's getting ready for school, and uh, I'm like, hey, what do you want for breakfast? And he says, oh, I want ice cream. I say, no, you can't have ice cream for breakfast. That's not good for you. So I give him whatever else, and then I send him to school, and then I come home, and I'm like, man, that ice cream for breakfast actually sounds like a pretty good idea, right? That would be hypocrisy, or with these examples here, we would say, yes, giving to the poor, helping the needy is important. Every Every Christian should do that, and then we don't really do that, or, or we give just the littlest amount so it can count. Um, we, we can do this with prayer. We can do this with, with fasting. We, we do these righteous acts, but inside, the heart is totally disconnected. This is how Matthew frames hypocrisy for us. You'll notice when, when Jesus speaks about these, these three uh, practices, these disciplines, each time he says, when you, right? He says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, there's an assumption here 
that citizens of God's kingdom do these things, right? This is a regular part of what they do. So he's not teaching us here to to give, to pray, to fast. He's assuming we do that. He's teaching us here to do it with a heart that, that, that is in line with, with that outward uh, act, that, that we would actually live out inside and outside this, this, this worship of the Lord. So when it comes to giving to, giving to the poor, obviously when Jesus is speaking, there, there were not government programs aimed at helping the poor. This was the role of God's people, right? And if you're doing a Bible read-through right now, I'm guessing you're still in the Old Testament if you started in January. Um, How many times do we read uh, God's instructions to care for the poor, to give to the needy? How many times does God instruct people as they're harvesting their fields, don't harvest every square inch? You need to leave some for the poor to glean, right? This is something that God commands throughout Scripture. So Jesus, he's assuming that this is what, uh, this is what his people do, right? Because this is, this is a way that, that we demonstrate to the world God's gracious, loving care for his creation. Jesus, he assumes people Uh, are doing that. He's saying that when you give to the poor, because of course this is what God's people do, do it with a heart that that is aimed at God, not at making yourself look good, not at making yourself look godly. So with prayer, again, he assumes that God's people pray, right? That, That people reconciled with Yahweh, of course, they would pray. Why wouldn't we pray? The Father has so designed it that, that, that we have access to him through his son, our great high priest, so that we can speak with him at all times. And he listens to us. God loves it when we come to him in prayer. He, he wants us to come and, and talk with him. He, he wants us to, to come and, and, and as we pray, he, he shapes us. He, he molds us into, uh, in, in, more and more into the image of his son. And, and when, he pray, or when we pray, he responds to us. Right? It's not like shooting off an email to some company and, and then you get this auto response. No, God hears us and he responds to us. God loves it when his people pray to him. So my guess is probably all of us are on board with, with giving and, and prayer. We know, yes, that's something we need to do. And we're, we're trying to do that. Maybe we are doing that. But I wonder if the same is true with fasting. Uh, I'm sure biblically when we think of fasting, we, we think of giving up food and perhaps water for a period of time in order to seek the Lord. And, and you've probably heard of other types of fasts maybe that, that Christians do uh, at different times. For some people, um, maybe they're giving up coffee um, for, for a time. They realize they're, they're dependent on that to wake up every morning, to have energy, to make it through the work day. So, so they, they give up coffee for a time. They have a coffee fast. Or uh, imagine, imagine fasting from your phone, right? For, for some of you, that would be like, how in the world could I ever do that? Or maybe, uh, maybe fasting from the news would be really hard for you. But, but you, you give up something, and, and normally, again, in Scripture, we see it be uh, water and, and food for a time in, in order to remember that, that, no, what we're really dependent on is the Lord. I'm sure you're familiar in Scripture where it says, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word of God. 
but we're so good at, at giving um, extraordinary value to created things. We're good at, at, at thinking that, that what we really depend on, what we really need are, are the things of this world rather than God. And fasting reminds us that these things that we run to, whether it's food or, or coffee or uh, checking your bank account, whatever it is, these are limited. These are temporary. These will not, we're not dependent on those in, in eternity. It's, it's the Lord that we need. So here's, I'm going to blitz through just some, some reasons in Scripture that, that we see to fast. At first, uh, fasting and humbling yourself before the Lord, they're nearly equivalent terms. We, we see that. Uh, I found some examples in, in the Psalms and in Isaiah. Um, uh, we see fasting uh, go along with confession of sin. Nehemiah, he assembles the people uh, with fasting and in sackcloth, and they stood and they confessed their sins. Or maybe think of Jonah. Jonah goes, he preaches to Nineveh, and, and the people repented, and they proclaimed a fast. But as much as confession and fasting are paired together, um, prayer and fasting, I think, are paired together even more. Uh, Jehoshaphat, he saw the armies encroaching, and he he set himself to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Uh, Queen Esther, you remember, she was, she was going to go before the king uh, without being invited to, which is risking her life. And she, she had Mordecai gathered the Jews together to pray and, and fast. Uh, Ezra proclaimed a fast um, before he brought the exiles back to Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus, in his public ministry, right before uh, his public ministry, he fasted. Um, the early church, before they sent out Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey, uh, the church fasted together and, and prayed. Uh, so let's, let's connect this back to, to uh, the Beatitudes, right? When it says, the, the, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. It, it is so gracious of God to give us this, this hunger every, every day. Right? At least three times a day. Or if you're a snacker like me, more times a day, you, you, you feel this sensation of being hungry. You want food. right? You, you want something. Uh, we realize that we need something from outside ourselves to sustain us, to, to give us what we need to get through the day. And, and God's given us this physical hunger to remind us of the spiritual reality. right? The real hunger that we actually need, this hunger for God. To, to know him, to, to be sustained by him, to be strengthened by him. This is, our, this is our greatest need, that we would know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So we hunger, Jesus says, we hunger and thirst for this righteousness. We hunger and thirst for God as badly as we want food or drink sometimes. Even more desperately, we need the Lord to be the very center of our lives. Now remember, fasting is not like this formula that, that, that when I do this, then I'll get stuff from God. Right? Fasting is it's a reminder of, of how limited what we think we're dependent on, and, and, and obviously we really are dependent on, on food and water, but, but this is temporary. What we think we're dependent on is limited, and what we're truly dependent on, the Lord, is unlimited. I know that... Um, 
growing up in my church, I didn't hear much about fasting, and maybe that's the case for you in, in the church churches that you've been in. In, in my uh, walk with Jesus, it's sporadically been a part of what I do in following him. Uh, there have been seasons where, where I fasted somewhat regularly. There have been more seasons and longer seasons where I have not fasted. Uh, over the last couple of years, I've actually had a, a, a partner um, that, that we fast and pray together. And for a long time, we were great. Almost every other week, we were, we were fasting and praying together. We would, we would choose a, a prayer focus like missions, or we pray for households in our church, we pray for our community, whatever it is, um, and we would, we would pray, we'd fast together, um, and it was great. COVID has, has kind of killed that for us. We've really struggled to do that. Um, but back to the main point here of what, what Jesus is teaching, right? He's assuming that, that fasting happens among his people. But his main point is, is, is that in all these things, giving, praying, fasting, that, that whole person righteousness is, is not just the outward action, but it's, it's a heart that is just aimed at God. It's this, it's this Godward devotion, right? He's the one that we long to please. He is the opinion that we care about. But we care so much about what other people think. We care so much about what, what others think of us, how they value us, their opinion of us, even though God is the one to be praised. We're self-centered, though. Right? We want recognition. We, want, we wouldn't say it this way, but we want glory. And maybe for some of you, it's people-pleasing. Maybe you don't care at all about pleasing people, but you want people to respect you. You want them to think highly of you. So instead of giving to the poor because God is generous and benevolent, you sound the trumpet like he says in verse 2, like the hypocrites. Right? They, they sound the trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. You like it when people notice what a giver you are, how generous you are, that, that you support this ministry and, and you're supporting those missionaries, right? Or you're helping get kids to camp. You want people to see that, that you are generous. Or in verse five, when you pray, right, you stand up, you, you pray like, like the hypocrites. It says they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that others may see them. But maybe it's not just in your prayers, right? Maybe it's in Bible study or, or a class or community group. You're, you're always sure to slip in. Like some of those, some of those things that, that you learn, some of those Bible knowledge uh, tidbits that you have. Or maybe you're the opposite of that. Right? Maybe you don't say anything because you don't want anyone to realize that you, you really don't read your Bible that much or you feel like you just don't really know much. So you don't say anything at all. You don't ask questions. You don't share thoughts because you don't want people to think less of you. Or with fasting here, he says in, in verse 16, the hypocrites disfigure their faces Right, so that everyone can tell that, that they're fasting. Their fasting can be seen by others. And, and if you don't get nailed by, by, by the, the, uh, the giving illustration or, or the praying illustration, if you can't see how twisted our hearts can be, how, how manipulative our hearts can be, the fasting example, even if you've never done this, it helps us see how prone we are to want others to notice, notice us how self-centered we are. Because it's shocking that we could take this spiritual discipline like fasting and warp it and wrap it into something that's about us. There's nothing cool about fasting, right? There, there's nothing to, to show off there. And, and yet 
we can take this practice that's about uh, giving up something for a limited amount of time to, to remind ourselves of how dependent we are on God. We can take this and make it uh, so that people see how godly we are, how much we're willing to suffer for God. We turn it into a worship of ourselves. You notice after each of the examples, he says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. They got exactly what they wanted. They were seen. They were, they were noticed by people. People praised them. That's the reward you get when you live for this, that, that people will see you. That's the whole reward. And, and I mock it because it's stupid. <laughs> That's a really dumb reward. And yet that reward hits a spot in us. It, it feels so good to us. It's so satisfying. And Jesus, by showing us that that's the reward, is, is really showing us how dumb it is. The, the reward is that you fooled people into thinking that you are righteous, that you're more righteous than you are. And yet it's an easy trap for us to fall into. It's easy, uh, it's easy for us to want people to think that we're great. In, in this case, that, that our religious actions are great and that can be what we long for at times, but this is a distortion of what we were made for. We were made to please our heavenly father. We were made to hear the words someday, well done, good and faithful servant. Are we most concerned with God's honor? Are we most concerned with God's glory? That's, that's a real reward. God's name being revered, being in God's kingdom, being, being a, a citizen of heaven, being part of God's family. That's, that's a reward. His will being done, right? being a part of, of, of as you give, being a part of, of, of God's, uh, God's love. You're a conduit of God's love. Or as you pray, that God is actually responding to your prayers. He's, he's using your prayers to, to make his kingdom come, right? That's, that is a reward that we get from the Lord in this. We don't do it to be seen. Galatians 1.10 says, for, I am now, or, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? He says, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Right? Those two things do not go together. And yet we struggle, so many of us, with this. So Jesus says, do these righteous acts in secret. And again, this doesn't mean that we don't do righteous acts in public, that we don't live out our faith in Jesus in public, but there's a difference between being seen while praying and praying to be seen. We don't do it to be seen. We're so quick to be a people that, that we just want recognition. We, we want attaboys from, from others. And maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're in the room and you're like, man, you guys are so weird that you care about this stuff. You care about this stuff too, just with the things that you value. Right? If you don't know the Lord, you don't care about this, but, but you do want people to think that you're nice. Maybe at work you want people to, to think that you're really, really skilled, that you're really gifted, that you're a hard worker or whatever it is, fill in the blank. Like you want this too. We long for people to praise us. 
But look at what he says in verse 3. He says, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. He's getting at something really important here. That, that even, if we, even if we keep our actions secret from others, ensuring that no other person can see what we have done, right? They, they don't know that you gave money uh, for that missions trip to happen or, or that you supported that kid to get to summer camp. But we, we need our, our left hand to not know what our right hand is doing. Now, obviously, that's impossible. But what he's getting at is, is uh, that we're capable even when no one else sees, we're capable of praising ourselves, of telling ourselves, man, that was really awesome that you did that, Greg. That was so, uh, that was so sacrificial of you to do that. Man, you are so godly. We get caught up in ourselves. Anything good that we have, it's because God has given it to us. It is not about you. It's about God. This whole person righteousness, as we've seen in, in, in the sermon throughout, and, and we'll see more and more, it's about this singular devotion to God, that God's name would be hallowed, that, that, that God is what we would treasure above everything else. But there's this, this trap that Jesus warns us about today, that we live instead for the praise of people, not of God. In what ways do you do that? When are, you, when are you just really prone to wanting other people to notice how good you are, how godly you are? I've already mentioned some. Maybe, maybe it's in the church, you, you only volunteer for roles that are up front where, where people will see you. You don't volunteer for anything behind the scenes. Or maybe you volunteer for absolutely everything so that people have to know how committed you are to God, to his kingdom, to his church. You want people to see how, uh, how self-sacrificial you are. Or maybe um, when you get asked at church or in a parachurch ministry to do things, you can't say no. Right? You, you don't want anyone to think less of you, so you say yes to everything. Or something totally different, a pretty common critique of the church, of church people, is that we're fake. That we don't really let people know the struggles in our lives. Is that you? And I'm not saying on a Sunday we come and we just air all of our dirty laundry in front of everyone. But, but do you let others in the body know how you're really doing? Do you let other people know the struggles that you have? Do you confess sin? James tells us that we're to confess our sin to one another. Yes, we confess to the Lord, but God has made us that we need each other. Do you confess sin to other people in the body? Or are you afraid that that would ruin how they view you? When do you find yourself more focused on the praise of people rather than your attention just being directly aimed at the worship of Yahweh. I can't remember who said this, but, but someone said, may we be so God-conscious that we cease being self-conscious, that, that we would just care so much uh, about what our Lord thinks, that, that we would really forget about what other people think at all. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we thank you that, that you do see right into our hearts 
but we thank you that there's not an action, not, not, a, not a, a righteous act or any other act that we do without you knowing what's going on in us, Lord. We thank you that, that you call out our hypocrisy really, really clearly. God, would you shape us to, to have this, this whole person righteousness, this, this holistic devotion to you and you alone, Lord. And in all the areas where, where, where we're elevating other things, whether it's ourselves or, or other idols, Lord, would you help us to see those? God, would you, would you show us how, how, how short everything falls compared to you, Lord? God, would we be a people that live for you? Would we be a people that, that will one day hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant? in your name we pray. Amen.